You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. I'm your host, John Bush, and today we are going to be discussing a very important topic of extreme importance. Couldn't be more important. We're going to be talking about how to raise sovereign and ungovernable children. We're going to talk about how important it is that future generations have the knowledge and the wherewithal to navigate the growing tyranny that we see rising around us and how they can live the most fulfilling, thriving lives, which, in my view, government and the state and technocracy often get in the way of human flourishing. And I want to re- really want to hammer home the importance of this topic, I have been really doing a lot of deep dive research on the technocracy and on the Great Reset. These are essentially efforts to create a total surveillance society where human beings, children, workers, uh, animals, wildlife, Everything is tracked and traced and cataloged and controlled. And I've been diving deep trying to better understand the mindset and the strategies of the power elite, those individuals and groups that are working to bring about a totalitarian global government. And one of the things that I realized a while back is that these groups and the enemies of liberty are operating on a multi-generational paradigm. They're not as concerned with the election of the day. They're not concerned with the decade. They are concerned with big picture societal shifts and changes. And it's my belief that the current generation of adults, the good bulk of them, are not going to bring about the changes necessary in order to secure sovereignty, liberty, freedom for our posterity. And that one of the most important things we can do if we are concerned with liberty and we're concerned with the direction the world has been going is to raise free, sovereign, independent, strong, healthy, emotionally sovereign children. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want to encourage those that are active now, that are working to bring about change, to really focus on the future, not only to do good work and engage in the present moment, but strategically to have an eye for the future. And I'm a father. I have a seven-year-old boy and a nine-year-old girl, William Lysander, Aliana Elizabeth, and my son's named after Lysander Spooner. That's where he gets his, his middle name, individualist anarchist from the 19th century in the U.S. And I am taking actions today with the expectation that these actions, these activities will better equip my children 
to live as free as possible as they come into their adulthood and their maturity. I want them to experience freedom that I never had a chance to experience because of the world that I was born into. And if we're libertarians, agorists, voluntarists, anarchists, radical innovators, entrepreneurs, then it's up to us to have that foresight to set the stage so our children don't have to suffer through the tyranny that we suffered through. And we're going to go over a variety of topics uh, and how we can better do that. So this is a this is a video for parents. This is a video for folks that want to be parents. This is a video for anyone that's concerned with how bigger picture we can create a better world for our posterity. A uh, quick shout out to our sponsor, freeounceofkratom.com, Brave Botanicals. You can get a free ounce of high quality kratom grown in Indonesia. No pesticides, no chemicals whatsoever. Helps with stress, anxiety, taking the edge off. There's other types. When you add this to carts, $5 for shipping and handling. You add it to cart, you get a chance to try our four other types. Some are good for stress and sleep and relaxation. Some are good for energy and focus. That's freeounceofkratom.com. And I also want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast at livefreenow.show. If you're watching me on YouTube, go ahead and bang that subscribe button. should be down here or down here. Um, and also subscribe to the podcast because most of the viewers that I'm getting right now are on Facebook and YouTube. We're also on Float and DLive, so that's some good alternative channels. But as you know, there's a huge censorship effort taking place at the hands of big tech. So I strongly encourage you to subscribe to the RSS feed so we can keep in touch with you with all this great, valuable information. Again, that's livefreenow.show. Thank you so much. All right, so let's get right down to it. I've prepared a little bit of an outline for me to uh, kind of stay on track and make sure I get these ideas off. We're going to try to wrap this up within an hour. So I want to thank everyone that is tuned in. If you're a parent and uh, you want to participate, you can ask questions in the comments if you're on Facebook and YouTube, and we'll try to get to your questions and add them to the conversation. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. So a lot of the problems that we face as human beings is because we live in a trauma-based society. It's not all based on trauma, of course. There's a lot of beauty and wonder and pleasure in this world, but there is a lot of trauma, and that trauma really affects people, little kids, as they become adults. And whether they are conscious of it or not, a lot of times that type of trauma from childhood comes out through therapy, psychotherapy, through the use of plant medicine like ayahuasca, uh, experiences that can bring up stuff that gets buried because it's so painful. And a lot of that trauma starts off at birth. So let's go ahead and start with the very genesis of the child. Well, I should say the birth isn't the genesis of your child's experience and how your child uh, will, what the type of human being that your child will become. Birthing should be looked at as a very sacred practice. And when the mother becomes pregnant, it should be very important for the father and for those people around this family unit to support them, to show up for them. There's the old saying, it takes a village. Nothing could be further from the truth when it comes to raising children. That's one of the reasons why things are so fractured these days, because society has gone from more of a tribal aspect of living to this single family home separation division. And now with the technocracy and the Great Reset, which is the ushering in of the fourth industrial revolution, which is the merging of technology and biology. And with COVID-19, we see 
an even greater departure away from that human connection, tribal setting into the home in behind the computer screen. And so when a mother becomes pregnant, it's really important that the father shows up in some very strange ways. And if you are planning a pregnancy, do your very best to make sure you work through all of that emotional baggage and that stress and that tension. Now, don't do that and you end up delaying the birth and never get pregnant, right? Because there's never like an ideal, optimal time to have a child. And if you're like, we're waiting till we make this much money and we got all this stuff stashed away, that may never happen, right? And bringing a child in this world is a very beautiful thing. A lot of people say, how could you bring a child into this world with all this tyranny going on and all this crazy stuff and the chaos and the climate change and blah, 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 blah. Well, the answer to that is always we need to bring more beautiful, free, loving, peaceful, forward-thinking children into this world to help shift the balance, uh, of the, to help shift the course of history, the direction, right? If, if wonderful, beautiful human beings that are intelligent and sovereign and respectful and adhere to the non-aggression principle have children and they raise those children in those fashion in that fashion which doesn't always happen with libertarians that agree with non-aggression principle yet they aggress upon their kids through the act of spanking which we're going to talk about um if but if those parents were to raise more children then we greatly increase the chances that we can improve our world in a greater way but back to the point Mama's pregnant. You got to not fight. You got to do your best to manage stress, minimize stress, because the emotions of the mother and the father, because the father's emotions affect the mother and they're all one unit, right? They're separate, but they're together. Every human being is beautiful. Earth is, is as well as all of the living beings and all the matter and everything. It's all just one big energy. But that affects the child. Like we had more stress during the pregnancy of my first kid than the second kid. And you could tell in their emotional state and the manner that they deal with stress, uh, it's different from the second child that was more chill, more stable. So it really does make a difference. So at the end of the day, how you behave, how you show up during the pregnancy, even before the pregnancy, right? So it's really important if we're going to bring new children into the world that we do our work as sovereign, emotional human beings to heal from the trauma of the past, not just to hide it away, not just to drink booze and to hide it and mask it and numb it with drugs, but to face that trauma and to do some healing and growth on an individual level, on a family level, relationships to heal that intergenerational trauma that could be being passed on and passed on. So there's a little message there. Okay, so now it comes to the birth. And when it comes to having sovereign children, home birth is absolutely important. Now I should say, Home birth may not be for everyone if there are pre-existing health conditions or if there uh, is the chance for health conditions because of the nature of the mother's reproductive system, then that's definitely something to take in consideration. But it is a fact that healthy parents, it's actually safer to do a birth at home than it is in the hospital. Now, a lot of people don't recognize when you're doing a home birth, you can still the midwife is going to have a plan to get you to the hospital should there be an emergency that arises. And if you have a very qualified midwife, they are going to have some tools and literal tools and uh, figurative tools in their tool belt that can help get through without the need for all sorts of hardcore intervention. Right. But having that birth in the home creates the opportunity and the environment so that once the child comes out, you can be at peace 
and rest. And the baby can immediately go to the mother's bosom and begin nursing. And it's a calm environment. And it's not sterile with bright lights like this one I have ahead of me. And the doctor rushing the baby away from the mother when they're missing out on that opportune time for bonding and the dropping and, and the spreading of oxytocin, this pleasure bonding love hormone that takes place. In the hospital, oftentimes, there is an increased chance for intervention. The doctors, OBGYNs, MDs in general, uh, have an interventive paradigm, and the birthing process is a wholly natural process that's been taken that's taken place for centuries with human beings, right? Uh, and midwives have played a major role in that birthing process as well. But now we see it being made more difficult for midwives and their licensing, and we have all this medical uh, regulation and all sorts of mumbo jumbo like that. But Here's the deal. When you're in the hospital, there is a tendency for the doctors to intervene when it's not absolutely necessary. Take when it comes to health stuff, you want to get the advice from the experts, but you also want to go with your gut and intuition and go with other experts as well that you can communicate with that can give you advice because it may not always be the same, right? So you get yourself a good solid midwife. But there's this tendency with hospital birth where the doctor wants to schedule the birth. A scheduled induction, which is um, unnaturally initiating a birth, or the scheduled C-section. Now, one of the techniques that's used often in order to schedule a, a in order to induce a baby is this is called pitocin, and the mother is given pitocin, and that stimulates and pushes along the birth. But whenever that happens, it increases the likelihood of complications, and it increases the likelihood of a C-section when there's an induction. Oftentimes, it's scheduled. Another thing that doctors often do is when the mom is in labor in a hospital, and it's taking longer than the doctor thinks it ought to take, then they'll go ahead and say, we need to do an induction. We need to use Pitocin. And that isn't always necessary, right? Sometimes literally the doctors, especially for-profit hospitals, they got to get the mom in and get the mom out, right? And then some doctors even want to schedule, you have an OBGYN, you've worked with them, and then they want to schedule the birth because it fits around their schedule. Maybe they got a golf tournament they're going to the next week. That's literally what happens. Not to mention there's a financial benefit for these hospitals whenever there's surgeries that take place. But here's the problem. Whenever you do an induction or a scheduled home birth, it dramatically increases the chances of a C-section. Additionally, so does an epidural, which is this really extreme, strong method of giving pain medicine to the mom. Now, I'm not a woman. I don't have a womb, and I've never given birth. So sympathy to any mom out there that's done an epidural or whatever. But the epidural does increase the chance for C-section. And what I've gathered witnessing two births participating, I actually delivered my children. I was the one there helping mom along. The midwife was standing aside, coaching us. And I'm the one that literally pulled the children out. My daughter shot out and I almost fumbled her because <laughs> she had her hand on her head like this. And uh, it was really difficult for mama. But when she came out, she was like, shoo. And I was like, whoa, I almost fumbled the ball. But I thankfully I caught the ball. It's a very beautiful thing. And then you have the time to chill and relax. Um, but I think it's a rite of passage for women. The pain is like, you know, once you've gone through a natural birth and you've birthed your child without the aid of any intervention or any painkillers or whatever, it's like, man, 
I can take on anything. I went through that. I pushed that big old baby out and I, man, I, I got this, right? That's just whatever. But again, I try not to push my views on it or anything because I'm not a woman. I don't have a womb. So, but the point is home birth is extremely important. At this time as well, there is a push to vaccinate the child, right? I know this is a complicated and controversial topic, but for me, my kids are unvaccinated. For me, it comes down to, hey, I'm going to trust nature. I am going to help my children be equipped to have healthy immune systems, hands in the dirt, not constantly washing their hands, playing with other human beings, mixing it up, living life to the fullest, um, protecting their gut microbiome without pounding antibiotics and all sorts of medications that upsets the delicate balance of good bacteria in the gut, good viruses too, in the gut. That is where the core of the immune system is. So I'm avoiding vaccines altogether just on that foundation. Not to mention there's like the vaccines are made with aborted fetal tissue. You know, there's ethical problems with that. And then it's also just like some weird science fiction thing to think that there's aborted fetal tissue going into the vaccine and all sorts of chemicals and adjuncts and whatever, all these additives, right? I'm not an expert on it, but I think it's pretty on the surface obvious that if you can just help to empower a strong immune system, then we don't even need all that stuff. Even some of the vaccine inserts say like, this is not for everyone and it's for, and then you get into all the MMR and all, all this whole world, right? So people can do their own research on that from, but I'm just throwing that out there like a sovereign, a true sovereign. There's a holistic approach like Derek Bros talks about with his holistic anarchism, right? It's not just political sovereignty. It's sovereignty over your emotions. You're your own authority when it comes to how you show up with your emotions. We're going to get into that and how we can help our children to be sovereign emotion, emotion, sovereign when it comes to their emotions, emotional sovereigns. That's what I was trying to say. But, you know, on, on the other hand, there's also health sovereignty, right? And like you can be free and like, wow, we're politically free and we got this great free society, but you have chronic health issues. So right off the bat, I want to empower my children to be healthy human beings that aren't relying on Western medicine and medical intervention in order to live a life that is free of chronic fatigue, chronic health ailments, all over that. Now, I talked about trauma, right? And so it can be traumatic and difficult for a child when they first come into this world and all of a sudden they're experiencing this hardcore pain of a shot going into their body. And that's some of their first experiences on earth, not to mention being taken away from the mother for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, right? And again, if there's a medical emergency and you're doing a home birth, you can be rushed over to the hospital. I should add, if you don't feel bold enough perhaps to do the home birth, there are midwife-assisted uh, birthing centers. That's like a nice middle ground. They have the medical technology and the medical expertise and the medical devices and tools. If there is an emergency, they can get you taken care of at the birthing center, which is a more of a relaxed environment. You have your own room, like a suite, right? So home birth, birthing center, hospital. Avoid the hospital if you can. Want to be sensitive. Everyone has different issues, different reproductive systems, so on and so forth. But chances are, if you don't have any major issues or haven't had major issues in the past, you can get it done at the home and the statistics say that it is safer to do so, right? Now, speaking of trauma, I believe one of the most traumatic things that you could do to a child, to a little boy, is to have them circumcised. That's happening right 
as they are coming into this earth, again, one of their very first experiences is to have the sheath and the skin on their penis cut off. I don't know how this has become a normalized ritual, but it's absolutely some of the most insane dark age type of stuff that you could ever imagine happening, right? And so, again, I want to go through this whole conversation. It's not like a judgment thing. It's not like you did it wrong. You should have done it this way. It's like, hey, we're all learning. We all make mistakes. We all are in our own place in this journey. And I also want to share that for the podcast audience, I'm holding up one hand. This is the ideal, like a total 110% free, peacefully raised, non-medically intervened child, right? No passport, no social, no birth certificate, right? That's like totally free. You know, a lot of people are way over here on the other spectrum. And what I hope to encourage people to do is just to start tiptoeing towards the freedom, right? And to be patient with yourself and to be compassionate with yourself because we're all in different places on this journey. I'm going to talk about some of the mistakes that we've made along the way and some of the insights that I've had in my own experience with uh, two radically free children. Man, Sometimes they're a little too free for my liking, <laughs> but the circumcision, there's no medical benefit for it. It's a total fraud. It's like a trauma-based thing that is such a nasty intervention. I can't even believe it. Not to mention like the desensitization from those pleasure points, having that skin taken back, and then it's like rubbing against your pants all day. Not cool. Give the children the natural birthright of having a uncircumcised penis. And at when they're older, they could decide for themselves if they want to cut it off or whatever. But I don't see, you know, that's my whole thinking. That's a huge thing for a new life form on this earth to have that violent activity take place when there's no reason for it. I think it's like a Puritan scam meant to make it difficult for the children to experience as much pleasure as they were intended to experience. It's also a trauma-based thing. I don't know how intentional that is, but we live in a crazy, effed-up society. And as I'm getting deeper down the rabbit hole of conspiracy like I used to back in the day, I'm realizing that more and more of the world that we live in is a total contrived program meant to instill all sorts of nastiness and fear so that we can be more uh, better managed as the human livestock, right? But we're not going to stand for it. And what we're talking about on this podcast is how we can create children that are essentially ungovernable, that they're so damn free, there's no chance in hell that they're going to willingly give authority to another human being or another entity like the state. That's what is at stake here. Now, also the benefit of doing a home birth is it makes it easier to opt out of the slave surveillance number or the social security number, right? So we're going to talk about the slave surveillance number. We're also going to talk about birth certificate and passport. These are some tricky ones. There's a lot of balance. As I've talked about, I talked about this in the podcast yesterday that I did. There is a balance that we all need to strike, and it's all different because we're all different. You know, it's all subjective between convenience and ease and total liberty and sovereignty, convenience and sovereignty. Oftentimes, people are way over on the side of convenience because it's just a little bit too difficult and tricky to do this free stuff. So I'm going to talk about the balance that we have struck 
And I think it's a pretty good balance. So whenever you are giving birth in a hospital, they send a social worker in to get you to fill out the social security number papers. And everyone just assumes that this is some sort of mandate, that they're legally required to give their child a social security number. That is not the case. It's not required. It's not mandated in the least bit. And doing a home birth, the conversation never even comes up, right? And in fact, when uh, when my ex-wife and I were talking about our this not wanting to do a social security number or birth certificate with the midwife, she's like, we're like, so, you know, we're, we're, we don't want to do social uh, we're not sure how to navigate the birth certificate. We don't want to do one of those either. And she's like, oh, wow. Wow. You know, honestly, I haven't heard that since since I was delivering babies for the Branch Davidians and the Republic of Texas. Republic of Texas is like this alternative government. They're trying to go back to the de jure Republic of Texas, and they believe that the current government is de facto and uh, it's a pretty big organization in the state of Texas. But I was like, damn, our midwife delivered babies for the Branch Davidians in Waco, who are also all about opting out on a biblical sense, right? They're like biblical sovereigns. And then the Republic of Texas, hardcore sovereigns. She's like, I hadn't heard that for a while, for 10, 20 years. So I think that was cool to bring that back. But when you do it at home, it's easy to avoid the Social Security number. The Social Security number legally is only supposed to be used for the administration of the Social Security Ponzi scheme. And I should add the Social Security... It, is mostly is most definitely a Ponzi scheme. There's even George W. Bush mentioned like that he went to, I think it's in Indiana, some Midwestern state. He went to visit the Social Security, I don't know, it's not even the headquarters, but the place where they have the information about all of the IOUs. And he's like, it's just a file cabinet in an office filled with IOUs. That's all the social security thing is. It's a Ponzi. The money's being used on all sorts of other programs. George W. Bush used it to fund the Iraq war. I don't think I need to argue why we should avoid the social security stuff, but check this out. The technocracy, technocracy is rule by technology, rule by experts, right? Right now, the new world order, the global government, the, you know, the secret society roundtable types, they are hard at work creating a panopticon society, a total omniscience where they have awareness of everything. And in the past, one of the tools that they've used to track their humans is the social security number. Now they want to use blockchain-based identity, right? So it's going to be even more difficult to avoid this nightmare society, which is precisely why we're building the Freedom Cell Network and we're building the alternatives to, you know, we can opt out and we can still go on our life. I'm going to talk about network here in a little bit. But it's really important. It's a really important tool for the government to track human beings and to track their income especially. So early on, I should also say uh, I've done some – surface level research on this, but there is a theory, a line of thinking, I believe it to be true, that the Social Security Administration came about when the United States government was put into receivership, declared bankruptcy essentially, and went under more emergency rule in 1933. And it was at that time that the U.S. government was bailed out by foreign central banks, or maybe even in part the Federal Reserve Bank, and as a uh, collateral for the debt that the government just took on, they put up the future income to all of the human beings, and it's the social security number with these little red numbers on the back that is basically the asset that's backing up this debt, 
and promising the future payment. That's why most of your income tax, a good chunk of your income tax goes to pay war, but it also goes to service the interest on the national debt. That's why it's like, everyone's like, oh, you know, our children are going to inherit this death and stuff. It's like, not my kids. They ain't, they ain't inheriting that, none of that debt. That is not their debt. They didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for that. You can't even have their, there's no slave surveillance number to even collateralize none of this nonsense. My friend Gary Conisberg, he actually called a like SEC stock trader or something, some stockbroker. He called some securities trader or whatever, and he asked if there was an account associated with the red numbers on the back of the social security card. Might be on the back, might be on the front. And he spoke with him. He recorded the call, put it on YouTube. You can still find it. Maybe I'll try to link to it in the show notes. And the guy on the other line is like, yeah, there's an account here, and it's worth like $1.5 million or something like that. I don't know. Whatever. So now we're getting down some patriot rabbit holes, but I believe that to be true. So this, the slave surveillance number, here's my thinking. Whenever I started talking about with my, my parents and friends and stuff, I'm not going to give my kids a social. They're like, well, what are they going to do when they need to get a bank account, John? That's my dad. John, what are they going to do when they need to get a bank account, when they go into their lives, when they become older adults? First of all, you, they can get the damn social whenever they want. If they want me to get one now, they're nine and seven, and then they can be like, Dad, why are you so weird? You're such a crazy libertarian. We're not into that stuff. We just want to have a normal life, which my kids some say sometimes they're like, Dad, I wish we could be more normal when we're like not wearing masks and I'm doing the medical exemption thing. And then I want to share the story later, but I'm always like, you know, if we were more normal, here's what things would be like for you. And they're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't sound good. But if they want, they can get the damn slave surveillance number. But you know what I would always say when people are like, what about a bank account? I'd say, you know what? I bet by the time they come of age to where they require banking services, there will be some sort of radical technology that's been developed where they can exchange value and do commerce without having to rely on a bank. And I'm saying that around 2011, right, when I first was born. And then sure enough, one to two years later, I learn about Bitcoin. It already existed, the cryptocurrency. Man, Bitcoin's an anomaly. Blockchain is an anomaly because it's simultaneously being utilized to create this surveillance society, fourth industrial revolution. But it also simultaneously has the promise to liberate people from that very system. It all just depends on how you're going to cut it and what blockchain you're going to use. But that's something I said, you know, they're going to be old enough. And now I also, what, the, what I also recognize, I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about this later. This is all synergistic, having this free sovereign life, right? All these different elements are synergistic. That's why we can't just do one or two of them. We got to take a holistic approach. But we are purposefully building our agora, our counter economy, so that right now it's over 5,000 people participating in the Freedom Cell Network, right? And there's also this liberty movement and the voluntarist community and all the crypto folks and the crypto cypherpunks that go to these conferences, so on and so forth. But the idea is when my children come of age, we are going to have an identified network and organization so that if the technocracy is like you can't do business unless you have a social security number, we are going to have such a base, a power base of individuals that are of like mind that are down to do business with outside of the system. Right. That's why, as I started off talking about, it's so important for us that we think big picture wise. We think intergenerationally because Lord knows the enemies of liberty are doing that. Right. We got to set the stage. We got to build the ship so our kids can take off into the future, into outer space if we freaking need to exit this prison planet. So 
they don't, you don't need a social security number to jam, not to mention, you don't need a social security number. If you're going to get a driver's license, you don't need a social security number ultimately to open a bank account, according to the federal law. Now, the thing is when I talked about convenience versus liberty and sovereignty and privacy earlier, it's going to, you know, it's easy to go into the bank and be like, and they're like, where's your social security number? And you're like, oh, it's right here. But if you're like, oh, actually I don't have a social security number. They're like, oh, we can't do that. And you're like, oh, let me see your policy. Oh, let's look at the federal law. Let's look at the regulations. It makes it more difficult. But here's the point again. Why do we want to be a part of that system anymore anyway? Right? And I'm having a conversation with my son talking about the social security number. They're a little older now. They're very aware. Perhaps they were made a little bit too aware at a young age. That's one of the regrets that I have. I think we kind of brought them into awareness of the world uh, a little bit too young. Not hardcore stuff. But when we're driving around and there's a radio NPR story about George Brown or about some shooting in in Georgia or whatever, you know, like we have, you know, conversations with them, try to sugarcoat it as much as we can, but it's really difficult to sugarcoat when the president of the United States comes on Obama talking about a police shooting, but they've been made aware of what's going on. So I'm having a conversation with my son about income tax, right? And I'm like, well, you know, it's the hope that without a slave surveillance number, a social security number, it makes it difficult, more difficult for the government to want to tax you, right? Well, and I'm like, you know, they have a, so when you have a checking account, the government can backdoor into the checking account and take your money, right? And he's like, oh, well, I don't have to worry about that, dad. I'll just trade in cash. I'll just use cash only and Bitcoin. And I'm like, yes, proud father moment, you know? And then we were also talking about, well, you know, if you're an employee, if you work for a company and you're an employee, you have a W-2. And in that way, the government takes taxes out before, before you even get the money. And he's like, why would I want to do that? I want to be a businessman. I want to be an entrepreneur. So that's all super cool stuff that I experienced with my kiddos. And I feel like I'm doing a good job uh, leading by example as much as possible. So avoid the SSN if you can. You can always get it later down the road. Now, the birth certificate, on the other hand, our strategy with the birth certificate was this. Because we used a licensed midwife, the midwife had to fill out a birth certificate according to the law. That was her requirement. And so we had a badass midwife who trained a bunch of other midwives in central Texas. And we, we'd already gone, you know, we were already going with her. I, I'd rather have the badass midwife that's like trained as a nurse and super, super experienced and wise than going with an underground renegade one. Or some people do unassisted births and they handle it just fine, right? So she filled out a birth certificate, but we're like, we're not signing that. We don't consent to this world. We're not signing that. No. So you filled it out, it's unsigned, right? So that's that, you know, if they want to have some financial instrument or some slave thing or whatever, they have it, but we don't agree to it. But at the same time, it raises another question between uh, convenience and liberty and sovereignty. And that question is, what about traveling out of the country? Or what about having some of the privileges or legal protections or being able to go to an embassy in a foreign country if you get attacked or whatever, being a U.S. citizen, right? So with them creating that birth certificate, in their eyes, the kids were U.S. citizens. One thing Alma Summer, who does Sovereign Kids big time, she calls it undocumented human, right? She's done undocumented human, human tour. She's more hardcore than than me and um, Kat were or are. But uh, it's like she said, why can't they choose their citizenship, you know? And this is kind of the future that we're going towards is where there's going to be non-territorial governance, I believe. Some of them will be blockchain-based, some of them will be old school, and it's like you get to choose which set of rules you want to operate by. But when it came time to get a passport because we wanted to take the kids to Anarchapulco, 
we ended up getting a passport. And on the passport, I guess we certified that they are, in fact, U.S. citizens, right? There's some people that are like, you can get a state national. You can be, you can declare yourself a state national of the state of Texas. My good buddy, Dr. Buckley's onto this, and he, apparently it's successful. And then you get your passport as a Texas state national. So we didn't want to dive deep into all that. And the timeline for us to get it done was, was coming. But we were able to get a passport for our children without a social security number. It would have been difficult if we didn't have that birth certificate that was filed on our behalf by the midwife. But you can jump through hoops. We went to an expediting service, and she was able to navigate that for us. She had done that before. Oftentimes when the kids don't have a social, they're like an undocumented immigrant or whatever. That's what they think. But it's like, no, the kids were born here in the States. I think we had to sign a, uh affidavit saying they were born here in the U.S., Maybe we navigated that without saying declaring them U.S. citizens, but just that they're born here. But according to the law, if you're born in the geographic area to U.S. citizens, then you're a U.S. citizen, even if you're born, right? That's this whole anchor baby or whatever it's called. All right, so I realized that we got 36 minutes. I still have a lot of ground to cover, but this is just really deep content and good stuff. I want to thank everyone that's tuned in and following along. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any questions that you'd like me to uh, answer or uh, anything like that, make sure you put your questions in all uh, caps. Put your questions in all caps so we can respond uh, a little easier. So talked about birth, talked about surveillance. Now, when it comes to health, it's important that we set our kids up so that their bodies are, as they grow into adulthood, they already have healthy eating habits, right? So we try to avoid candy as much as possible, although Halloween just happened. Uh, I just got a great tip. Some parents we were hanging out with on Halloween is that they're like, okay, it's Halloween. You can trade your, some of your candy in for a little toy or whatever. I don't want to just take the candy from them because they, there's a whole thing. We'll talk about this in peaceful parenting, the balance, like the kids, we want to raise them as sovereigns. We don't want to have arbitrary authority over them per se, or we don't want them to be our subjects, right? I always try to have the relationship rather than like I'm the ruler and they're the subject, a relationship where I'm the protectorate, which is a term I learned from G. Edward Griffin, the protectorate of them, their leader, not, you know, not leading them because we have more wisdom, so on and so forth. But in general, you want to avoid sugar, hardcore sugar. There's so many parents that like freak out on their kids because they're going nuts. And they just gave them a freaking Coca-Cola with 40, 50 grams of sugar. And it's like, of course, they're going to go nuts. What do you expect, right? And so developing those healthy habits early on, avoiding toxic uh, toxins, eating organic, avoiding GMOs, helping the children to develop a nice diverse palate so they're not – they're willing to try things. You got to start that stuff early, right? One of our kids' first food was uh, avocado. And then other parents are like, oh, my God, your kid likes avocado when they're like a five-year-old. It's like, of course they like avocado. It's freaking great. Omega fatty acids, stuff tastes great. They've been eating it for five years their entire life. So that I'm not going to get deep on the health aspect. I think it's pretty uh, self-evident that you want your kids to eat healthily and you want to set a good example. One way, because I'm going to get into peaceful parenting now, and there's some radical unschooling and like 125% peaceful parents that, you know, the children really do have, there are their own authorities and, and can do all sorts of things and experiences. And uh, there's value in that, right? Get the experience is the greatest teacher. Learning the natural consequences of actions is extremely important. Um, but it's all about a balance and uh, lost my train of thought there for a second. All right, we're, we got a lot to cover. So let's get into peaceful parenting now. So this is absolutely critical. 
if we want to raise sovereign children that are ungovernable, then it all starts by us leading by example. So spanking is a huge issue for me. You're, we're trying to teach children that there is no arbitrary authority. When you spank your child and you use what I would consider violence, it's an act of violence, even if it's like some parents are like, oh, I don't do it that hard, just hard enough to teach them a lesson. It's like, well, where's that level there? I'm going to call it violence. It's, it's a violent act to hit someone, swat them, slap them, spank them, whatever you want to call it. You are teaching them that the use of force, the use of violence is an acceptable means of changing another human being's behavior, right? So you got the parent that's hitting the kid to change their behavior. You have the law enforcement officer that's tasing or batoning or aggressing upon someone to change their behavior. And if we want our children to raised to be totally sovereign, that thinking should never even be put into their heads, right? And that's why I'm a huge advocate of peaceful parent. I've never laid my hands, I never spanked my kids. There's been times when I've like had to kind of aggressively pull my son away from my daughter when he's like attacking her, those kind of craziness, right? Or when they're like trying to hit you and stuff and you're kind of like throwing these little blocks and such. But never have I ever used violence as a means of changing their behavior or trying to control them, right? And so when it comes to peaceful parenting, I say we ought to focus on curiosity and compassion rather than coercion and condemnation. So when it comes to a child's behavior, they are behaving in a certain way because oftentimes there's unmet needs or they're reflecting something that they've learned or there's chaos in the society, right? So one thing that I learned early on is like when I would be sucked into my phone, my daughter would act up and she'd like swat at her mom, like a little one or two year old, you know? wanting my attention, right? An unmet need, attention from dad. Or another thing that I learned too, and the beauty of being a parent is that your child, your children are reflections of you in all your beauty and all your trauma and all your misgivings and proclivities. And when you are a conscious adult that is looking to improve oneself and better yourself, the children act as a really great mirror. And when you focus on that and you see what's going on in your child's behavior and you internalize that and you focus on that and you reflect on that, then it gives you an opportunity to grow and improve yourself. And in turn, you give your, ch your child a better opportunity to become a full, whole human being, right? Obviously, nobody's perfect. So that's why I say when, it, when a kid's misbehaving, they're freaking out, they're screaming, they're running around, they're throwing stuff, they're hitting their sister or whatever. The first thing to do is to be curious, like, okay, what's going on here? Why is the child behaving that way? And it's great insight about the whole reflection thing. So growing up, my dad would do this groan thing. Ah, 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 when he'd be frustrated, ah, that kind of thing. And I adopted that. I mirrored that from my dad. And the first time I heard my daughter, who's like a one and a half or two, do that, I was like, whoa, that just got passed on from generation to generation. So that's when I resolved, like, no more of the groaning thing. I'm going to present my frustration in a different way. I'm going to try to communicate about it, not doing the groaning. 
So that's just when you have a conscious parent who's consciously parenting, you can help to end those generational cycles, right? That's a light thing, right? Not a huge thing, but if it's like yelling at the spouse, right? That's something that I had a whole lot of work to do on. Um, or it's like abusing someone or it's alcoholism or whatever, you know, it takes a conscious parent to interrupt that pattern and that cycle of violence and trauma. And sometimes it still takes a few generations to work it out, but that's your role in improving the future, um, progenit is progeny a word, the future prosperity, the future posterity of your children. So, Start with curiosity. Why are they behaving that way? Try to have compassion for them. Understand these little human beings, like they are just learning to navigate the world. They're not evil. They're not, they don't want to hurt people. They don't want to like break your shit out of spite because they don't like you or they hate you. They are learning to navigate the world and aren't capable of expressing themselves all the way. Here's another great tip too for sovereign children and learn, they can learn to express themselves effectively. Many adults don't even know how to do that. Baby sign language. When my daughter, before she was like two, she learned, she learned like two dozen, three dozen signs. And this helps the child because they're able to communicate and oftentimes the child acts out or misbehaves in air quotes. I don't even like that word. Uh, I don't like to apply good or bad to a behavior either. It just is, right? It just is. And when you apply bad, it's like, oh, the kid's not bad. They're just having a rough day or they've modeled this behavior or they're working out some trauma that's been imprinted upon them, whatever. But um, the baby signs, a lot of kids are frustrated and they act out because they don't know how to communicate what it is they need. They have these unmet needs and they're not able to communicate them. So they freak out, they lash out, they scream, they hit, whatever. So we need to be compassionate and patient with them, right? And the moment the parent comes in is like, oh, you're going to throw that or you're going to hit your sister. I'm going to hit you. First, that's the most ridiculous thing to hit a child, to teach them that hitting is wrong. But if we start to use coercion, then we're simply circumventing the lesson there. We're circumventing the root cause of the issue. I consider myself a radical. Radical means to strike the root. Radical in politics, radical in parenting, everything. Strike the root of the issue. What unmet need is not being met? And how can I, as a parent, help that need to be met or help empower my child to learn to meet that need on their own? That's ideally the most sovereign thing. I will say we did a pa attachment parenting with both of our children. And I think that we that that attachment parenting as they grew, like co-sleeping, for example, could have been balanced out more towards independence. And I believe that we found ourselves in a situation where the children had an attachment that took away from the independence. Now, there's a paradox there. Attachment parenting is when you breastfeed for a good long time until the child weans themselves off. You do a lot of hugs, a lot of touches, massaging, holding, uh, baby wearing for moms and dads. I was a baby wearing dad when you're out and about and the baby's there close to you like a freaking marsupial. And then um, co-sleeping is a part of it too. That's all important. And there's studies that show when you attachment parent, the child is more independent through their adulthood. But I think that we kind of laid it on a little strong and um, didn't empower the children to be independent. And that's something that I really took seriously and tried my best to gently empower that independence. So like I said before, it's, it's all about balance. It's all about finding that balance. You know, there's a lot of radical unschoolers and 110% peaceful parents that don't use 
any form of behavior correction whatsoever, right? And I see there's value in that. I also think that it needs to be balanced out. Um, there's a lot of stuff tied up in the world in the word discipline. And if you're like, well, how do you discipline your children? Well, if you look at the root word of discipline, it's disciple, right? And think about like Jesus leading and and teaching, right? He didn't use violence to teach people. He led by example. And so the best thing that we can do to create discipline in our children, which isn't this external force them to act this way, whatever, discipline in my life is waking up early, starting a good, solid, productive day, right? Which I've been struggling with. Sometimes I'll go in, I'll, I'll wake up really early, and then I'll get into a groove where I'm waking up a little bit later, but it's still enough to accomplish what I need to do in the day. Um, discipline is having those healthy habits, right? not being lazy, not sleeping in, so on and so forth. And that's really what discipline is all about. So how do we instill that in our children? The best thing that we could do for them is to lead by example and to teach them by showing them and demonstrating to them. So there have been times when there was a lot of aggression uh, amongst my kids. And a lot of that, again, back to the reflection, was chaos in our living situation. There's a separation and a divorce. That was definitely difficult on the children. Um, and they manifested that through acting out, lashing out, being hard on one another. There was a lot of voice raising between their mom and their dad. Again, modeling, right? So we need to take responsibility. Before we start hammering on our kiddos, we need to take responsibility for the role that we've played in their behavior. A lot of learning opportunities and growth for the parent and the child. And so there was times when I did, look, if you're going to continue to hit your sister, we're not going to be doing any tech, right? The older me... The earlier me was wholeheartedly against any type of timeout, um, rewards and punishment, right? As I got a little older, my dad would always say like, oh, you're doing this whole peaceful parenting thing. Um, well, let's just see how the children turn out when they're older because obviously it's easy to be a peaceful parent. You, uh, you better be a peaceful parent with a two or three-year-old, right? Like, an, Or a one-year-old. I see parents that are like spanking their little infant or toddler. It's come on, man. Sound like Joe Biden there. But, you know, my my old man did have a point because when my kids started to get older, especially my son, like, wow, this dude is totally unruly. And like he's all over the place. This is difficult to do life and go to the grocery store. So it's kind of like, man, maybe that was a balance, a little bit too much freedom for the child, not as much leadership and direction from the father. Right. So there were times when I used the we're going to take this away. I don't, I don't like the timeout thing, although cool downs is a good strategy, like total chaos, aggression. Aggression's another thing. You know, some alternatives to that are we have a sacred space in our living room when we're in here at community. We do not aggress upon one another. We don't hit. We don't strike. We don't yell. Back to leading by example. Don't say you don't yell at your sister when you're yelling at your wife, right? And so in this space, if you are going to violate the sacred space by hurting someone or aggressing someone, then you're going to need to leave the space. And I'm going to exit you from the space if you can continue to do that, right? And then the timeout thing, rather than a timeout, it's like we need to go here and have some private time to cool off, right? See, one of the problems with the rewards and punishments and the taking away of things is it is manipulation. And if you use those tactics, at least accept that it's manipulation. Uh, you're manipulating the child in order to have a desired outcome in their behavior. And the problem with that, while it makes it easier to, air quotes, manage the kid, is that it 
doesn't instill the essence of why a behavior is not an ideal behavior in relating to other human beings. It, it circumvents that. It gives it an arbitrary reason. So now the child is not hitting his sister just because he doesn't want to have his tech taken away rather than he's not hitting his sister because either he's going to get hit back, which is a good life lesson, right? Or it's it's in, inherently wrong to hit, right? So that's one of the struggles. Every parent is different. Every parent needs to strike their own balance. But in raising sovereign children, the closer we get to leading by example, not engaging in arbitrary manipulation, not de most definitely not spanking them or coercing. Again, coercion is the threat of violence. So like you spank them a couple times, then you're like, well, I only had to spank once. A lot of those parents are still threatening with the spank, right? That's coercion. That's how the state controls people nine times out of 10. If we tiptoe ourselves towards the intrinsic way of leading our children, then we are going to better equip them with the ability to discern what is right and what is wrong from the intrinsic reason why we ought not to do a behavior or ought to do a behavior. I hope that makes sense. And I think that's really important stuff as we're raising these children. It's not just about the political it's freedom. It's not just about healthy kids and avoiding a social security number. It's about equipping our children with the tools necessary to navigate life, to understand why something is right, something is wrong, to recognize arbitrary tyranny when they see it, right? So why, why do I have to do this, dad? Because I said so. That's arbitrary authority. That's what the state does, the paternal state. Because I said so, you have to wear your mask, right? Even though the science is unsettled and there's a science that says it's not because I said so. Not cool. Let me riff on nonviolent communication. Then we're going to hit on education. I guess I can do a shorter bit on education, and I can just direct you to some of the videos we did on Unloose the Goose. And I've done a video going over education as well. But nonviolent communication is a wonderful mechanism. It's a strategy for communication that you can utilize with your child and with your parents, uh, with your adult relationships as well. Nonviolent communication was lined out by uh, Marshall Rosenberg. And instead of using manipulation and fear and coercion and all these negative emotions in order to try to control another person, you speak in terms of your feelings and your needs, right? And as I said before, oftentimes a child's acting out, misbehaving, be misbehaving, air quotes. It's always like, oh, your child behaved so good. It's like, what do you mean behaved so good for what? For who? So you want them to be docile? They were quiet? They didn't disrupt? They, didn't, they weren't themselves, right? Real quick, before I get into the nonviolent communication, it's really important that we as parents allow our children to develop into their own unique expression of who they are going to become, not who we want them to become based on our life, based on our agreements that were imprinted upon us. And oftentimes a parent will coerce a child or try to control their behavior because they feel ashamed or humiliated because the kid's acting up, right? It's this external construct that's trying to get them to change the child's behavior and they start getting uh they start feeling insecure because the parents over there might be judging me because my kids all wild and running around all over the place right there isn't that you know some of that is needed there's this check in how we deal with society because you want to be able to relate to other human beings you don't want to just be some crazy animal that's feral right but there's also like an arbitrary aspect of that where this society wants to output docile human beings that are subservient to the state, to the family, to the church, to whatever institution. And we want to raise sovereign children that aren't that in the least bit, but we also want to raise children that are capable of integrating with the normal society, right? 
ideally we build our own freaking society so there isn't all this weirdness that we need to go you know i mean i guess job interviews would have a place in a free society but really it's all a lot of it's about how who you know and entrepreneurship is more in line with with freedom and sovereignty in my opinion um although you can unpack that a different way so we want to teach our kids the skills and we want to lead by example on how to relate to other human beings but we don't want to arbitrarily imprint how a child ought to behave or how what line of work we want them to go into or my daddy always did it this way so i'm going to do it this way with my kid just want to throw that out there so nonviolent communication there's a there's a a flow for nonviolent communication and again it's a way that you can communicate with other people and you can communicate with yourself in your internal dialogue that internal monologue which is so important to manifest in your ideal life and that way to communicate it starts with making an observation okay so here's an example. I started getting into nonviolent communication with my kiddos. I love talking about it because it makes me more consistent with that, and I haven't been studying it or talking about it in a while. But case in point, um, my kid was bouncing all over the chair when we're sitting at a booth at a restaurant, bouncing all over, bouncing all over. Some parents would grab them by the arm. Some parents would give them a little pinch. Some parents would say, if you don't stop doing that, we're not going to get ice cream, all that kind of stuff. Instead, I decided I'm going to use nonviolent communication, right? So it starts with an observation that's free and clear of analysis and added words and stuff. So it's like, son, when you bounce on the chair like that, right, you just observe what the action is, right? You observe it. Then you share your feeling, how you're feeling in regards to that activity, that action. I feel frustrated, right? When you bounce on the chair, I feel frustrated. Observation, then a feeling. Right. And then you say, state your unmet need. I feel frustrated. I need to be able to relax whenever I'm sitting down to dinner. Right. So it's observation, feeling, unmet need. And then you make a request so you can have your needs met. That's what so many adults don't even know how to do these days. They don't know how to request for their needs to be met. So they just go along to get along. And in doing so, they aren't happy or fulfilled and they have, they're being harmed by other people, right? So the request, uh, I would like you to stop bouncing around and just sit on your bottom, okay? So that could go multiple different ways. That goes, son, you need to sit down right now. You need to stop doing this, stop it. If you don't sit down and stop bouncing around, I'm not gonna get you ice cream. That's manipulation. That is violent communication. The nonviolent communication is, Son, when you bounce around on the chair like that, I, I feel frustrated. I need to be able to relax and have some peace while we're eating. Would you please stop bouncing on the chair? Boom. Wow. It worked. How great was that? And my son was totally responsive. And so that's a great example of, of how that works. Um, Nonviolent communication. You can use it with other people. You can use it with adults. You can use it with employees or staff or whoever you relate to, family. You, ex you make an observation. You express your, how you're feeling in relation to that observation. You express the unmet need that's leading you to feel that way. And then you make a request so you can have that need met. A great way to communicate with children. And it's a great way to teach children to communicate with adults and with their siblings. Whenever they are in tune with their feelings and their needs, they're going to have more awareness as they grow up into adulthood and they'll be able to better have those needs met. When it comes to educating your kids, you definitely... Uh, if you want sovereignty, I would advise you not to put your child in a government school. We do have a group that we created. I link to it down here at the bottom, and it is called, So You Want to Pull Your, pull your Kids Out of Government School. 
there's a Telegram group and a Facebook group, and it's a support group where there's parents that that don't have their kids in government school that are homeschooling or unschooling, and there's parents that have their kids in government schools but don't want them to to be there. So we're all working together to support one another in that endeavor. There's all sorts of alternatives to government schools. There's a private school, right? If you can afford a private school that's of like mind, there's Montessori, there's Waldorf, there's Reggio Emilia. That's the private school my kids go in. No masks, totally cool, very like-minded, yoga, mindfulness practice, gardening, really strong community of like-minded parents. And stuff. They're not like anarchist sovereigns, but they're, you know, into natural health and they get it. A lot of them get what the hell's going on with all this bogus COVID stuff. So that's a refreshing. So there's private schools, right? And entrepreneurship is important to be able to, or having a good job or career to have those choices. A lot of parents don't have those choices. That's why I'm going to hammer more on prosperity. I always say live free now, bring the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Well, I always bang on the freedom aspect, occasionally do the health aspect and talk about Kratom and and natural health. I need to bang on the prosperity so we can all lift ourselves up and create this better world. Um, so there's private schools, then there's homeschooling. I did a video, I'll link to it in the show notes, where you can leverage the Freedom Cell concept, a group of eight, to create this Freedom Cell cadre where you guys work together to homeschool the kids. You chip in to get a curriculum. You couple parents take lead on this day, couple parents take lead on this day. Every Friday, we're going on a field trip together. We're doing play dates. We're doing a parent support group. Homeschooling may be more attainable than you think through community and supporting one another. Then there's unschooling, child led learning. De the parent determines what the children are interested in and they help empower them to explore those interests. My son is way into gardening. So I got the garden set up on the side of the house. Even we live in a tiny home community and uh, the, the, it's like zero escaped, but it's like, man, we're going to get a container garden. I'm going to build this big ass raised bed garden and I'm going to empower my kid to grow food. He grows food as mom's too. He has a big garden plot. I'm really into that. My daughter's into dance. She does dance two classes a week on Tuesday. She wants to do a third man. That's, I mean, I can afford it, but it's going to be late when we get back home because it's in Bastrop, but whatever. The point is through unschooling, you empower the kids' interest. Then there's radical unschooling, which is like really hands-off, laissez-faire. We tried the radical unschooling thing. It's not for me. It is for some people. It's like honor the kids' freedom and trust that they will develop and that they will – there's going to be some ups and downs. There's going to be some consequences that they learn. Total freedom. So if you're really going to go hardcore, total freedom, that's about as free as it gets, radical unschooling. But these are some things that you can do that can maybe work into your life. It doesn't have to be hardcore curriculum where we're going to mirror the school, basically. We're just going to do it at home. It could be we're going to explore these topics. We're going to explore these topics. We're going to help empower them when it comes to their interests to help them to feel motivated to learn to read because they're so excited about Minecraft, for example, or so excited about gardening. And they always have to ask mom and dad what this says on the instructions for how this plant grows or whatever. So those are different alternatives. It's important. I think entrepreneurship is a key factor in being a sovereign human being. And we're going to experience that as the technocracy grows. And they say, well, you can't be employed here unless you have your COVID vaccine or your COVID immunity pass, your common pass. When you're an entrepreneur, it's like, nobody's going to fire me for not having the damn vaccine. When you're an entrepreneur and you employ people or you have staff or contract work, you can be like, hey, I'm going to honor your desire not to have the COVID vaccine. 
You also have the freedom of movement. You can travel. You can leave the place. You can bug out if you need to without losing your job. I think entrepreneurship is extremely important. And if you are an entrepreneur or if you're employed, you can teach your kids critical entrepreneurial skills even when they're young, right? So one of the cool things they do at my kids' school is they do this market day where the kids help create crafts and stuff. And then they have this big market day and they sell the crafts. Super cool, super inspiring for the kids. Uh, my son, as I said, is way into gardening and he really likes money. And uh, they got a nice big savings and they don't all just blow it on toys. That's when I'm like, Dad, can I get this toy? And I'm like, man, you got money. If you really want to pony up, you know, maybe I'll match you, but you have money. You should pay your own money. But I appreciate that they're like, they want to preserve that money for bigger and better things and for the future. Like my son's like, I want to save my money until I can buy my own tiny home, which I think is really cool. And so he's way into this plants and vegetables. So I want to help him put together a business plan and start do these seed starter trays. And then we sell them because I got community network and family. We could probably sell some stuff, sell them for five bucks a piece. Little kid sells five, 10 of those in a week or a day. That's 50 bucks, man. That's pretty exciting stuff. And you're teaching them how to hustle how to go out there and get that money when it comes to money too. And this is on the education section. Like we need to have a good relationship with money. So we don't imprint scarcity and fear and anxiety around money. So if mom and dad are always at the dinner table, bitching about not having enough money and they're getting into fights because they aren't paying the bills and this isn't going well and blah, blah, blah. Then the kid is going to feel tension around money because that's what they experienced when they were growing up, always fighting about money. They may even be like, man, I want to stay the hell away from money. So to help instill an abundant mindset and uh, a good relationship with money and the children is something that's really important. All right, we've gone over an hour. I got one more topic to cover, and I think it's a really critically important topic. Let me tell the story now that I wanted to share. So yesterday I did a podcast. If you're one of my regular podcast listeners, you listen to it, did a video. And there was an event we were at, at a farm outside, and it was this big event, and there must have been, I don't know, 100 people there outside. It was warm, the temperature. So we go in, everyone's wearing masks, we're outside, I'm over the mask, as I've said, and I gave myself a medical exemption, as I said in the podcast before, and I spoke with a naturopath, so whatever, if someone wants to get technical that's private health information, I should say. And this guy's like, hey, do you have a mask? I said, no, no, I don't. And he's like, well, I can give you one. I said, no, I have a medical exemption. And he's like, oh. I said, don't worry, I'll, I'll stay away from, I won't, I'll stay six feet from people. You know, we're outside. And then later I was asked by someone that I know and respect and appreciate who was organizing the event with this other group and usually pretty cool. Well, I mean, she is cool, but usually pretty cool about the masks. And so I was like, you know what? I'm, I can't do it. And she's like, well, I'm putting me in a hard spot here. And I was like, I'll just go home. So I just walked home, right? No big deal. But the kids were there with my girlfriend. All is great. All is well. They still got to enjoy this cool event. There's a bunch of kids. So I didn't want to be like, everybody's got to go home because dad's a non-mask guy. So they still played and stuff. And the kids in Texas, they're less than 10. They're not even required to wear masks. Well, come to find out a couple hours later, hour and a half later, the kids are all playing in a group. Mother comes up to her daughter and says, hey, we don't play with non-mask people. Can you believe it? We don't play with non-mask people. And the girl was all disappointed because they were having a blast with my kids and their friend. And the kid, my kid's friend, her mother, his mother was there, and she's a non-masker too. And she's like, we got to go. She didn't want to get in a confrontation. It's just like, uh-uh, we're going. And so the point that I want to get at is if you want to raise sovereign children, it's really important to have a community and to have a network. 
where you can have sovereign children around sovereign children, right? Where you're not going on a play date and little Johnny and your son are playing gleefully. And then little Johnny does something that's against the rules in their house. And the dad comes and spanks little Johnny and your son's like, whoa, what the heck was that? That's not cool. And like shocked, right? I hope that you raise kids that are shocked when adults hit children because I'm shocked. I can't still believe that adults assert themselves over children like that. If you're just joining us, we talked about spanking at length earlier. And so it's really important to have this network so you children can relate to people that are similar, right? And again, we don't want to just go isolate and be isolationist with our kooky libertarian conspiracy theories over in the corner off on the farm, right? Although that's not such a bad idea nowadays. We still want to be able to relate to the, the general world. We don't want to be so sovereign that we isolate ourselves and we can't relate to our family, for example, and there's conflict at the Thanksgiving dinner. We still want to be able to relate, have compassion, meet people where they're at. But big picture-wise, my kids don't have a social security number. The technocracy aims the Great Reset, the United Nations, the Rockefeller Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates, all of these technocrats, World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, they aim to track and surveil every single human being, every single element of biodiversity they want to track through a planetary computer. That's right. I shared that on my Facebook earlier. Planetary supercomputer that Microsoft is creating to track and trace biodiversity so they can better control people. Carbon credits, all that stuff is coming down the pike. Blockchain-based identity at birth. Mark of the beast kind of shit where if you don't have your social credit score a certain place. If you have been putting off too many carbon, you've been using too many carbon credits. If you didn't get your COVID vaccine, you don't have COVID immunity in a common past green light, then they're going to try to shut us out of society. So if we don't want our children to feel the social pressure, to feel the government pressure of the threat of privileges being taken away, like doing business, doing commerce, flying, traveling, whatever the hell it is, then we need to build our own network of like-minded sovereign people that will not stand for it. We need to have our networks where we can trade food. We can do business with one another. We can barter with one another, not participating in the system whatsoever. It's absolutely critical for us. It's even more critical that we set the stage, that we build the foundation, that we build the ship now so that our kids can set sail to freedom heights that we never thought possible. That's exactly what we're trying to do with the Freedom Cell Network. We just happen to already have that going. It's called Freedom Cells. There's over 5,000 people participating globally. You can go to the website, freedomcells.org. You can put in uh, your address or a park down the street or a coffee shop down the street. There's a member map. Chances are, if you're in a decently populated area, there's people in your area. I'm not going to guarantee these are great people. They're not all fully vetted, but you can dip your toes in the water, start a conversation. Maybe there's a parenting group in your area. The Dallas-Fort Worth Freedom Cell Middle Cadre has, it's like almost all parents. They get their kids together. They play. They're all peaceful. They're all like-minded. None of the kids are taking the mark of the beast. None of that crazy stuff. So the network is extremely critical and important. That's like my my uh, my theme. That's my mon mantra. I think that's what I have to offer a whole lot, right, to the freedom community, to these types of people. Like we, it always comes back to community. It always comes back to strength in numbers. It always comes back to having a big network in business, in health, raising your children, defending oneself, all of the above. Having access to food, having access to commerce. So build that network, grow that network. Join our network, the Freedom Cell Network, freedomcells.org. 
your kids will greatly thank you if you spend the next two, five, ten years setting the stage so that when they come into their maturity and their adulthood, they have a beautiful group of human beings that are of like mind that are not participating in the technocracy and that are bringing back sovereignty like never before. Okay, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Live Free Now show. This has been a topic that uh, someone on the Unloose the Goose Telegram group wanted uh, covered uh, when we covered the education stuff at length. That was really popular. There's a lot of people that are looking for answers. My kids are seven and nine, still got a lot of parenting to do, but I do have some experience and have navigated some of these waters and have some insights. So I hope that this has been valuable information for you. The important thing is just to do it, just to give it a try. Community will help. Community will help through and through with all of this stuff. You got to have community. We talked about the importance of home birth, avoiding all of the medical intervention, not imprinting trauma by poking your kid with a needle when they're fresh on this earth or cutting off the foreskin of your son. Don't do it, please. Your son will thank you later on. We talked about the slave surveillance number, aka social security number. It's not required. It's not mandated by law. The best practice if you want to raise sovereign children is not to get a social security number. Let them choose to get one if they want to or help us build the Agora so they never need one whatsoever. They can opt out of the state. They can continue to do business and commerce using cryptocurrency or cash transactions or some new currency that we've never even heard of uh, by the time they're older. Birth certificate. That's another balance. If you do a licensed midwife in most states, you're going to have to fill out a birth certificate, or at least they are. You don't have to sign it. I don't know. Maybe you want to have the birth certificate so you can actually have some provability that they're your kids if something were to pop off. I didn't talk about CPS at all. People are always like, well, I can't believe you're sharing this information. What about CPS? Nothing I'm talking about is illegal, and I have a very strong network and connections, so Let's knock on wood. That's always the fear for parents. But if CPS gets involved in your life, you're going to bet you have the Freedom Cell Network already built in your area with 50 people you can call on to come show up and support you and help navigate you through that. If anybody in this community ever does have issues with CPS and they're in Texas, I know a wonderful uh, advocate that helped one of my friends really recently, and she's just volunteer, runs this organization. She's ready to help all those instances. That's like the nightmare Live a good life, be a upstanding person, not an upstanding citizen. Be a good person, live a good life. Don't do wrong by your kids, and you're going to be okay. And at the end of the day, there's strength in numbers, and we're all here for you as well. Um, when it comes to kids, let, lead by example, eating healthy. Don't even keep the nasty food in your home. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be 100% pure. It's still fun sometimes to dive into a cake or some ice cream or some gummy bears or whatever. No big deal. Sugar is a great way to get your kid to go nuts. And then you're like, why is my kid acting out so much? This is crazy. And you're all stressed. The kid's nuts. It's just freaking sugar. Don't try not to pound sugar for your kids, especially sodas. We talked a lot about peaceful parenting. Non-aggression principle. If you're a libertarian and you think we should live politically through the non-aggression principle, why not apply the same principle to your child? The consistent application of the philosophy of liberty brings about a free society and brings about free and sovereign children. We ought not to spank. Spanking is violence. Spanking is aggression. Spanking teaches the child that the use of force and violence and aggression is an acceptable way of encouraging other human beings to change their behavior. It's exactly what the state does. You want to have sovereign human beings that are ungovernable, that are just they'll, – they'll never subject themselves to arbitrary authority. Don't spank them. They'll appreciate it. Allow your children to develop into their own unique expression of themselves without trying to imprint what society, what your parents, what your peer group thinks a child ought to be like, right? That has a lot to do with like when they learn to read, 
when they learn math, so on and so forth. I've dealt with some anxiety on that front as well. It all comes about. It all happens when the child's ready. Everything's going to be okay. Don't stress. And we talked about nonviolent communication. I'll probably do a whole video on that. So when it comes to education, you got private schools, you got homeschool, you got unschool, you got radical unschooling, you have a community. I invite you to join the group if you want to pull your kids out of government school or you already have. There's a support network, a support community that can help everyone. Teach your kids to be entrepreneurs. Teach them to have a good relationship with money. And at the end of the day, a network is absolutely incredibly important. And I invite you to join our network at freedomcells.org. This has been John Bush on the Live Free Now show, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use with a free, prosperous, healthy life. If you have kiddos, the most important thing you can do is just love them and trust your gut as a parent. Your gut is usually right. You're amazing parents and you have amazing children and I love you.